Value Town is a production of ChamMV TV. Find out all show information and details at ChamMV.tv. Value Town is directly supported by listeners like yourself via patreon.com slash value town. This is our town. Welcome. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a very special episode of Value Town. I'm Chaman V, and over there is Regis Kilbin joining and hey. guest hosting this episode. And we've got a special guest, obviously, right in the middle, front and center. We wanted to put you, make make sure you're the star of the show. Hi, yes, <laughs> I, I feel very much like the star in the middle. <laughs> it's uh, Dean Ayala, if you don't know him, he's the uh, Blizzard Hearthstone lead designer so it's final designs is that is that the is, I, I'm lead up final design which is basically okay. uh one half of, of card design the lead designer on hearthstone yeah. is uh is mike Doney. okay yeah so obviously it's gonna be great to have uh uh dean here those of you that have been in the community for a long time you probably know him as xr as well just given that his all his his names on reddit and his twitter and everything is xr so i i've known you so long that i i obviously time, yeah, yeah i've known you as xr from the very beginning on on uh crips channel i think it what was it it was crips uh, yeah 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 uh, i used to crypt didn't know it but we actually played a little bit of diablo together and then oh, before really? i even worked on hearthstone we uh we played some games of Hearthstone. I, I was actually the one that gave Crip his uh, key to even play in the first place because I had watched <laughs> the game and everything. And I was like, hey, you know, Hearthstone, I've been enjoying it internally. Like, maybe maybe you try and play it. So I think he played, like, you know, a couple days. And then, uh, obviously, he hasn't looked back since. So uh, that was a <laughs> So was you're, a you're the out. man behind the success of, of Crip. Yeah, yeah. Well, saying, I'm right? sure he would have discovered it on its own or discovered Hearthstone <laughs> on its own. But, uh, right. But it was cool that we got to play a bunch together. And then me and Kripper are like good friends now, actually, too. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. A lot yeah. of friends through Hearthstone. Yeah, for sure. Definitely family. The family's still around. Yeah, I feel like everybody that was here in the beginning yeah. is still around. And it's, it's always been, been amazing that way. Um, yeah, a lot of the people making sets are still around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, Dean, it's, it's going to be simple today, man. We, we got a lot of questions. You know, the community, obviously, they only care about questions and they don't like when we talk about any, any fluffy stuff. So, you know, we're, we're definitely sure. going to be... Uh, no, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> Talking about Hearthstone talking about is easy. I was talking to you guys before we started up here a little bit. I, I'm raising a puppy right now outside oh, of work. So, so about, yeah. the puppy life is puppy life is hard. Talking about Hearthstone life, that's, that's something that I'm used to. So I, yeah. I'm ready to go. So yeah, the puppy life, that's like, it's almost like having a kid. So I, I definitely, yeah, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure having a kid is, you know, it's like the, the leveled up <laughs> version of that, but, uh, yeah. I already have a dog. So yeah, a second dog, they're, they're playing nice and everything, but anyway, yeah. right. so, so Reno is going to be on shirts and things like, like Shiro is, is that what you're saying? Like we're going to be, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Molly, Molly made Reno his own Instagram. Oh so. man. Oh, so dog man. Asian oh, next, Reno next up. Like peak life now. Our dogs have Instagram. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, anyways, we, uh, you know, definitely have questions. And, I, you know, I think the biggest thing, obviously, is the, the nerfs. Um, you know, the nerfs came sure. out. Uh, you know, I mean, how long have they been out now? <laughs> like, uh, maybe a day? Not 24 even, hours. Not, yeah. tw- it's exactly yeah, not, 24 not, not hours. Not very long. Yeah, yeah. Exactly 24 hours now. So, um, you know, everybody getting a chance uh, to experience it. 
but obviously a lot of questions about it. And, I, you know, I, I think that um, best thing to do is probably go through each one, if you don't mind. You sure. know, like kind of going through one by one. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, so the first one we have on the list is the Cold Blood nerf. And yeah. uh, Cold Blood up, obviously, uh, an additional mana cost. And um, this one, I, I feel like a lot of people seem to... Uh, this one, I think the equality one are, are probably the two that I, I feel like people reacted a lot to. Equality being for different reasons, but Cold Blood, I think a lot of people were surprised, you know, because um, I, I don't think a lot of people were complaining about Cold Blood in the community. So when they, you know, when they saw the nerf, they were a bit surprised. So I uh, wanted to ask you, like, how long have you guys been thinking about nerfing Cold Blood? Sure. So I think I'm, I'm happy to go through them one by one, sure. but I, I think that particularly with this patch, something that we we're trying to address where just the, the power level of classic and basic and the fact sure. that these cards have been around for so long in every single deck and part of the reason why new expansions are exciting when they come out is that you know people are playing new cards and you know they're trying new archetypes and when these cards exist that have just been in every deck forever sort of stifles some of that creativity uh, some stifles some of the new things that you see right. so I think more so than any other balance patch that we've done uh, this one was directed at more like the the long term health of Hearthstone rather than something that was going on like right now, uh, like a problem that we had to address. Uh, something that we like to keep in mind, even though they're long-term changes, it's still like the live environment still exists, right? And we still have to be respectful of that. So it, right now, you know, Druid is not doing super well in terms of win rate and a lot of the archetypes they're, that they're trying to use. So it probably wouldn't have made sense. Like say we wanted to change a card in Druid, right now is probably not the right time to do that. Whereas right. with Rogue, uh, Rogue and Paladin specifically, I, I think those classes are powerful enough to withstand a hit in power level for you know for the long term benefit of those classes. Mm -hmm. And honestly, uh, we've been playing Cold Blood a ton at <laughs> two mana in a lot of the because we're playtesting. So right now we're doing a lot of playtesting with the first set of this year and the second set of this year. And honestly, like a lot of those red de rogue decks, you're you're still using cold blood in them. It's still pretty powerful, right? There's not that many tools you have to, for that like extra reach. You know, there's classes always have uh, Leroy uh, mm -hmm. have access to that. Uh, rogue has things like Eviscerate, but I, cold blood's still one of those cards when you're playing a tempo deck and removing your opponent's minions. Uh, getting cold blood out on your minions and getting in a few attacks with that is still like very powerful. So I think even at two mana. Uh, the fact that we were still able to put it in decks and still able to feel pretty good about it mm -hmm. uh, made us feel extra right about two mana being the right cost. I think that's going to be like a, a theme with a lot of these changes that we made a change to them. And, you know, in the case of Cold Blood and Equality, like the cost of those cards doubled, which is, you know, a, a really huge deal. Um, but with the same thing as like a card like Execute, like we changed, we doubled the mana cost of Execute as well. Mm -hmm. And Execute, as, as you guys know, is still like a, a widely played and prevalent card and i think that uh cold blood is is pretty similar to that i think mm -hmm. going going up in the future you're still going to see a lot of cold blood cool dean i have a i have a question uh i think a lot of people were expecting preparation as sort of the target nerf or maybe hall of fame card for rogue so cold blood caught us off guard a little what what do you guys think about preparation right now is that something that's still on the radar yeah, certainly. I think preparation is one of those cards that is restrictive, but not necessarily in a terrible way. Like any really powerful card or any card that does a, like a unique thing is always going to be design restrictive to a good degree. Like anytime you create a cool design, it's going to restrict some of the cards you can make in the future. So I think a lot of times when people talk about like, oh, this is restricting the kinds of designs they can do, it's really every card. It's just a matter of like, 
well, can we actually, like in the case of Mage, uh, making good low mana spells is kind of like really core to what Mage does. And I think when you have Mana Worm uh, and getting with Mana Worm, like a minion with a bunch of stats, like I don't think necessarily feels super magey. Like the the fact that you get bonuses based on playing spells is cool for Mage. But every time we create a low mana spell, like the thing that we're really worried about is, oh, well, you could play Mana Worm on turn one and totally snowball the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, That doesn't feel super good. Whereas with Rogue, uh, spells are obviously a really big part of Rogue. And I think just playing tempo archetypes and playing multiple cards in the turn, like we, there's a lot of cool things that Prep does, but it is, it is one of the most design restrictive cards. I think just right now we didn't really find, find a, a really good reason to, to nerf it. I think that uh, Cold Blood in particular is one of those cards that it, it's hard for us to create more uh, like damage spells, essentially, or just like more throughput. So dealing damage to your opponent through stuff like Leroy, uh, like like what I was saying. I think when you have Cold Blood, uh, it's really hard to do any more of those kind of things because mm-hmm. once you have, once you get like to a critical mass of face damage, uh, you can just you can build a deck pretty easily where all you're doing is doing damage from hand and killing your opponent without really interacting with them much. I think there's a lot of those decks in the past, like uh, Chan Man, I know you know this, but uh, decks that include like Arcane Golems and Power Overwhelmings and every charge card, and they're just trying to kill you that way, which is uh, it's not exactly the most fun way to to lose. So I think that uh, when, when we change something like Cold Blood, it allows us to do more things where we, you can you can deal damage from hand. You can give attacks to your minions without like just reaching that like huge critical mass moment where you have all of these hyper powerful face damage card and your whole deck is bit is built around that. Yeah. Uh, prep is definitely something that we talk about a lot, uh, and I would I wouldn't say that we were never going to change prep, but it just it's not something that uh, we really thought was pertinent to it right now. Okay, like in terms of um, you know the cold blood decision as well. I think part of the community reacted like, "Oh, they just want to kill aggro rogue," you know, and and odd rogue particularly. Um, is there are there any feelings about just aggro rogue just being too strong? Is it something you still want to build upon, you know, in these coming expansions? And you know, is are there any thoughts about about aggro rogue sure, generally? I mean, Ro- rogue is like either a combo or a tempo based class, and tempo based classes I think are. Uh, the terminology we, we use internally is not necessarily aggro for yeah. stuff like Rogue does, even though those decks can play kind of aggressive. Yep. But uh, that's that's something kind of core to Rogue, so it's not something we want to completely take away by any means. Uh, Cold Blood is a very powerful card, and I think it's still you know medium power level at two mana as well. Our intention isn't to you know destroy any of those archetypes. I think mm-hmm. in, in particular something like Odd Rogue or Tempo Rogue now is going to be totally fine with with cold blood at two mana i think that you know people are going to see that in the coming weeks that a lot of these decks that use these cards uh a lot of them will continue to use use them and still be powerful or just find the closest substitute uh, and they'll be quite powerful Uh, none of these changes i think are going to totally destroy any of the archetypes which is something that's pretty fundamental when we make a change that unless that that archetype that style of deck is really detrimental to people having fun in hearthstone which is you know obviously the goal uh, then our strategy isn't to come in and totally destroy the way that you're playing Hearthstone. I think uh, in a lot of cases, we just want to tone the power level down a little bit or give you a little bit more creative freedom in building a deck so you can still continue to play the way that you want to play, uh, but just in a way that either allows you to use a lot of different cards and have some creative freedom there or just do it in a way that's more balanced with the rest of the classes. Yeah, 
makes sense. <laughs> you know, having cards balanced, you know, it's pretty an amazing concept, right? Try. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the next card we have is the Flame Tongue Totem, which uh, I think is a very interesting one. It's a card I think n- nobody will argue that's been very strong for a long time. Uh, but the you know, I guess the question to you would be, you know, Flame Tongue Totem for at least for me has been. It's almost been part of the DNA of, of shaman since the beginning. Just given that the the totems are, are generally benign, you know, like they're they're definitely supportive type of of minions. The one one obviously does have some tempo play on it, but for the most part, you know, flame tongue totem felt like it had to be there, you know, for for shaman to have any semblance of of tempo outside of the crazy, you know, totem golem period. <laughs> but um, yeah, so changing flame tongue totem, like what, what's the motivation behind that? Pretty similar to to Cold Blood. I think like yeah. giving giving people more, uh, giving shamans more options to for minion based decks. Yeah. I think it would be is something pretty cool to to be able to do uh, without having like you know too many flanking totems out there. It's kind of impossible for us to get away from uh, shamans playing a bunch of minions and then trying to you know give attack buffs to their minions because that, that's just core to what their hero power does. You know they summon a bunch of zero attack minions. So wouldn't it be nice to be able to get get some usage out of those? I think Flame Tongue Totem just did it in such a powerful way that really it was just core to you know almost every shaman deck forever. It was like every shaman deck was twenty eight cards instead of thirty cards because you you know you popped into <laughs> Flame Tongue Totems and then you figure out okay what do I do from here? I remember uh, you know early on in Hearthstone, I was actually a Reddit post about this recently where you know you would go to neutral and you'd put in like Argent Commanders and Defender of Argus and like this twenty two card neutral package and then you would be like all right now with my eight cards remaining what kind of deck do I want to build? <laughs> Uh, right. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure that that was totally true back then, but it, it wasn't that far off. And I think that having having too many of these cards that are that put you in a situation where you, you actually don't get to decide what you put in the deck because the decision's kind of already been made for you, uh, I think you'll get to a more positive place when those cards change. Yeah. Um, a flying Tim totem left out at three mana is still going to wreak you know a, a ton of havoc. So. Uh, and, and also being respectful of the current environment, like I said, I think even Shaman was even Shaman wasn't exactly the most popular, but it was very powerful mm-hmm. and can certainly withstand it and parallel to to Flame Tongue Totem. And I think that especially in stuff like Wild or even Shaman is like a is the best deck by a pretty wide margin and has been for for quite some time now, uh, at least statistically. Um, so, do you see maintaining the identity maintaining the identity of Shaman as being like this? This type of class that does fill the board, and you know, it's more of a token-based like like deck or a class that that's basically historically been like that. Outside of obviously a few times like Shadow Walk, and you know, yep. a, a few decks, right? Shaman's pretty much always been like that. Is is that going to continue? Like, is is that yeah, like a focus? I think that's basically their 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 most core identity is that they summon totems and they figure out ways to utilize having multiple minions through cards like Bloodlust, through cards yeah. like Flying Totem, and cards that hopefully, you know, will continue to make in the future. They have some sub-themes, like uh, they care a little bit about Battlecry stuff. We've done a lot of Battlecry stuff in Shaman. That's a little bit, I think, lighter on flavor. I'm not sure a lot of players even really notice that, like, oh, Shamans are about Battlecry, but I think the I think the tone of, hey, we're about small minions and we Bloodlust is, is really the theme that most people get with Shaman, and uh, I think that we'll continue to do that. Shaman's been one of the most challenging ones, I would say, in terms of class identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in even in Warcraft, or just the just the idea of a Shaman <laughs> is kind of like, hey, we're the jack of all trades. We do a little bit of melee. We do a little bit of magic. We do a little bit of healing. Like mm-hmm. we kind of do everything, uh, which which is actually cool 
thematically, I think if you're like making a show or a movie or something, but in terms <laughs> of like uh, a card game, it, it's hard when a class's identity is it just does everything, right? Because it's hard for us to let them do anything well because they can do all the things. Yeah. So a lot of what we've been talking about is like, well, what is Shaman not supposed to be good at? Because classes, you know, shouldn't be good at everything. Uh, and that's a challenging question. Uh, because, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense for Shaman to be able to heal, right? And, yeah. you know, Hex is kind of their identity as well. But then Hex is, you know, you're really good at removing small minions uh, because you have stuff like Lightning Storm and we make cards like Volcano and that feels thematically appropriate. Uh, and so does Hex, which is really good for big minions and then they can buff stuff. So it's like, what, what are they not good at? And one of the things that we've landed on in the short term is like, hey, you know, maybe they shouldn't, maybe they actually shouldn't generate a ton of resources. I think cards like Hagatha were really fun, but I'm not sure that... Uh, we continue to do uh, a lot of stuff in Shaman or really, you know, most classes that just gives you like this one card super resource generator. Yeah. And you have stuff like Manatai Totem, which is pretty good at drawing cards, but at least it's kind of like one for one. And if you don't deal with it, then it can draw multiple. But I think that we'll probably won't do stuff like Hagatha. We won't do stuff like, uh, you know, Arcane Intellect or whatever. Um, so, yeah. and, and maybe Shamans can can derive some of identity out of that, but even that's not really thematically super strong. So I think we're still kind of just figuring out like, well, what is Shaman supposed to be good at and what are they supposed to be bad at? And that's been one of our initiatives in card design over, I think, this coming year. Okay. Yeah, great. Yeah, I definitely played a, a good bit of Peanut Shaman when Viper, you know, did super well with it. And it's, it's amazing how many great battle cries and how well they can control yeah. the game. Like, so yeah, totally. there's, there's a lot of utility there for sure. Um, equality, Regis, you want to you wanna ask... Uh, Dean about equality here. This is like the big one. I feel like the community <laughs> reacted crazily. To yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess yeah. So equality going from two mana to four mana, so doubled. I guess for me, I just like some insights on why we skipped the three mana mark. And I think maybe this has been explained before, but some of our audience may not have heard it previously. Was that specifically to dodge any sort of threatening odd paladin synergies that might crop up, or was it truly just that equality felt better at four mana? Uh, it it was purely because it felt right at four mana. I think I think if the goal is it's like, hey, let's take equality out of every single deck that's going to be created in Hearthstone in the future. And, and there's there's outliers, and I think like something like Murloc Paladin didn't necessarily use equality, even though that was pretty good in the deck. Uh, probably mm -hmm. should have been used. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think taking it to four mana. Like putting it at three mana, I think just didn't really accomplish that goal. It made it less powerful than two mana. But I mean, if the core of the problem is, you know, the core of the perceived problem anyway, is that, you know, we're taking two, two deck slots away from Paladin forever, essentially. Uh, does three mana alleviate that? Or does it just continue it at a slightly less power level, which, which wouldn't necessarily, uh, you know, be good for the goal. And, and I think that, that three mana just didn't really do that. So I think that four mana was the one where we, we've been playing it in the center control decks in the first set of this year, the second set of this year. And it's a pretty powerful removal tool still. So I, I think that you're still using it in decks. You know, stuff like Shrink Ray is, I think, probably uh, also very good. It looks a lot worse alongside two mana equality, but I think the spell is actually like pretty decent <laughs> when you're talking about like control bout and strategies where you're. We're just playing a bunch of removal and you're uh, trying to win the game, you know, on turn 25, 30, 35, like classes like that that are just trying to have like, hey, I want six to eight removals in my deck. And it's not necessarily important that they're like very good tempo two mana or one mana plays. It's just that I want to have lots of removal. So turn by turn, I can continue to do things to remove my opponent's stuff. Four mana was still accomplishing that. Um, 
just okay. touching on like I heard a lot of like, hey, we know we, they didn't make it three mana because of Odd Paladin. It'd be really good in those decks. Uh, I, I think if the right move for equality was three mana, then we would have figured out some different solution for for Baku and Gen. I, I think it's pretty core to to understand that. Like, hey, we're we're actually in it for the long term too. Uh, the desire from our end is to have Hearthstone be a game that people are playing for 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. So it'd be pretty short-sighted of us to, it's like, okay, let's make, let's make a change that's not good for the long term, that's good for these next, you know, two or three months, and we'll just, you know, suck it up. I, I think that's not, this is not our philosophy, right? Like, we, we want to make the game great for a really long time yeah so anything anything that's like a a one month fix or a two month fix for a, a long-term downside is just this is not really solutions that we're very interested in so, so um in terms of quality and just the power of it you know no question it's it's always been extremely crazy powerful at two um and and some of the plays you make with it i think are some of the most powerful ones that we've had in hearthstone ever uh how much of it had to do with wild pyro though you know like being able to clear boards at four you know, it is a much bigger, uh, I think, discussing that is, is uh, in, in having that kind of combo and clearing the board at four is, is obviously one of the most powerful moves you can make in, in Hearthstone. You know, when comparing that to just like talking about equality in a vacuum, you know, I think is, is quite different, right? Like it, when you combine it with Wild Pyro, it is essentially a board clear. But if Wild Pyro didn't exist, then it's a lot different. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's part of it. Like, there, there's a ton of cards that are really powerful that are totally reliant on other cards. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, Innovate's not very powerful if you don't have anything to do with it. Or, like, Preparation yeah. isn't really powerful in a vacuum, right? It, it doesn't do anything. It it has to be used in combination with other stuff. And I think Equality is quality is one of those same cards. Uh, Pyromancer certainly is one of the cards that, common, that combos most well with it. Uh, but really just like playing small minions or, you know, a variety of stuff or just like having a weapon and being able to clear anything as a result of having a weapon and equality. Mm -hmm. I think Pyro is certainly one of the, one of the core, you know, combos that you do with, uh, equality and the same thing with stuff like Consecrate, but it, it was really just, there's so many things that were really good with too many equality because reducing, you know, everything to one health for two mana is just like a, a very, very, very powerful effect. Yeah. Especially when you compare it to Hunter's Mark, which is coming up next, <laughs> which, you know, nice if, if they're like right next very to each nice, other, there are two Well, well I actually have like... a question. So which came first, the Hunter's Mark nerf or the Equality nerf? Because if you're taking <laughs> okay. Hunter's Mark to two, yeah. then you sort of have to bump up Equality, right? Because it's more universal Hunter's Mark. <laughs> it, it, it certainly does seem that way. I think that, that Hunter is just not necessarily great at, you know, giant minion removal. That's not, you know, one of their strengths. I would consider it a strength of something like uh major strength of something like you know rogue that's pretty good at removing like giant things uh but that's not necessarily a strength that we thought that hunter should be good at like uh, it's really important that these classes have weaknesses so when you queue into a game you're like oh it's a hunter uh my general strategy should be you know x y or z and i think that when you're when you're learning the game or even when you're like a a mid to you know high tier player uh, it's important that the classes feel a lot different. And when everyone kind of has the tools to do everything, it's like, oh, well, Hunter doesn't have really great healing. We should give Hunter really great healing because that would be interesting. I think that's a trap that you fall into as a game designer sometimes that like, man, we've harped on this one thing for so long now. Wouldn't it be cool if we did this other thing? And I think that's something that we did a little bit with Rexar. Uh, and something that Hunter's Mark was doing a little bit too, where it was shoring up some of the weaknesses that Hunter had. Uh, and it makes 
it makes things interesting, I think, for the short term. But I think in the long term, just like all the classes start to feel a little bit more of the same. And I think Hunter having a long term access to like basically very good uh, like giant minion removal was something that was was going to be kind of negative for us. I think it allows us to make things uh, that Hunter is supposed to be good at. They're supposed to Hunter is supposed to do a bunch of face damage to you. They're supposed yeah. to put on a bunch of pressure. They're supposed to play a bunch of beasts. Uh, and I think that when, when they're really good at that, and maybe they're not so good at removing giant minions, it starts to give that class like uh, quite a bit of identity. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't blame for Rexar though. You know, it, it's that that <laughs> control hunter dream will will always be out there for yeah, everybody. Yeah. Rexar's super fun. You yeah, know, yeah. actually, Rexar's not a a lot of a lot of people put a card in like two boxes, right? It's either yeah. we we really liked doing it. Or it was a to it was a huge mistake, and we never should have done it in the first place. Where I think in reality that there's a, there's a somewhere in between that you can live. I mean, uh, I think Rexar was was great. I love Rexar. There's there's tons of players that Rexar is their absolute favorite card. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think really, if if I had to pick a card off the top of my head, where it's like, okay, what is pick a card that's the most players' favorite card? I think Rexar is like way up on the top of the list. It's really fun and does something really interesting, and it's a lot different. Uh, I'm also really glad for it to rotate to wild, right? Where <laughs> yeah. wild, wild, there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. So I mean, it, it's a lot harder to keep like really tight class identity when you're dealing with like thousands of cards because yeah, you, you do something that's like the the slightest amount of neutral healing every set, but then all of a sudden you know it's you're in wild and there's. 40 sets to choose from or whatever in the future and then hunter just picks every neutral healing card it's like well it can be a healing yeah. class now right yeah so it's, it's hard to keep the class identity really going in wild but i think in standard which is you know where players are starting the game usually for the most part uh having having a lot of that identity is really important so i'm really glad that rexar is rotating out of standard just because it, it allows us to do uh have resources matter a lot more. I think one of the some of the terminology that we use when testing sets in the first set of this year and beyond is it feels really strange to win games sometimes because uh, you you build a deck and you know you have you don't have this this package win condition where it's like okay I'll assemble these five cards and then I'll generate in for resources or I'll deal thirty damage and you start thinking to yourself well how can I how can I win if I don't have one of those things but I think when yeah. research generation is a little bit more light, you don't have stuff like Jaina, you don't have stuff like Rexar. Sometimes you just land a Ysera and you get a couple of dream cards or something, and that's your win condition now, which feels uh, it feels good. I think it feels like more uh, more original Hearthstone. It's definitely a lot different. Yeah. I think both of those worlds can be fun, uh, but I think that you know having having too many of those Rexar style cards where you're just you know infinite resource generation in a box mm -hmm. is can be kind of detrimental to the cards like Ysera and the cards like, you know, Lich King and stuff that just do a thing, maybe give you a one resource or just very powerful on their own. A lot of those cards tend not to be good enough in the world where you can just include one or two cards and have, you know, 20, 30 cards of resources. So yeah. I'm that, that that's a long version of saying that I think Rexar is really cool. I'm really glad that it's rotating out and things will change as a result of not having a lot of those cards. Yeah, that sounds great. I think a lot of people long for that style of Hearthstone for the days time. of landing Ysera and winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's still my first golden card. So <laughs> I always, I definitely always have a special place. Mine was, mine was Black Knight. 
Really? Ooh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow. I, I went from being like, man, this card's terrible to like, wow, this is the best card in Hearthstone history. <laughs> to like, this card's actually just pretty decent. Yeah. The hero we don't deserve. Uh, but awesome. the, the Hunter's Mark and Emerald Stone, just maybe Spellstone, just a little, just kind of quick. Uh, I don't feel like people reacted as poorly to these just because they, especially the Spellstone, it just seemed like it's something that people will still play at six and. You know, Hunter's Mark as well, especially in these Spell Hunters and whatnot. I mean, it, it's they're still good utilities. So anything behind that besides, I guess, what we've already talked about, which is... Sure, yeah. I mean, just to, to add on top of, uh, of the Hunter's Mark change, the, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's another good example of why keeping in mind like, the live current environment is pretty important. I think Hunter's Mark is just as big as uh, a lot of these changes, but I think perception-wise, it, it didn't tend to get as much backlash, I think, just because... You know, Hunter is very, very powerful and very, very popular right yep. now. So I think people are a little bit more open to uh, maybe it'd be okay if we didn't if we didn't have you know a lot of these powerful Hunter cards. Like maybe that would be fine. Mm -hmm. uh, so looking to the live environment when making changes, I, I think that you know Hunter's Mark is maybe not a change that we would have made in a lot of different metas. But I think that if we could do something for the future of the game that is also would be positively received now. I think when you can win on both of those fronts, uh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Spellstone, Spellstone in particular is one of those cards that it, it was the most. It was it was part of the most powerful cards, so like the most powerful card package in in Hunter. There, there's a lot of different Hunter archetypes, which makes it difficult if you want to like just hey, we don't want Hunter to be more powerful, or, or we want Hunter to be from go from 56 percent win rate to 51. You know, if there's a there is a statistical goal there because Hunter had like all of these different archetypes. I think that the Spellstone nerf was, it was their most powerful archetype. And also is the one where the gameplay of it was, uh, it, it could be kind of negative, especially when it came out on turn five. I think conceptually the idea when we made Spellstone was that, okay, if you play five mana, 12, 12 of stats, uh, that's obviously extremely powerful. Uh, but part of the downside of that is, it's not like you're playing Pirate Warrior or Tempo Rogue or something where you're, where you're jamming out minions and you're getting ahead and then you play a giant 12-12 with the stats in turn 5 and now you're like insanely far ahead. The idea was that you have to play traps which are, aren't, are usually kind of defensive tools. Uh, so when you do this, it's not like you're snowballing the game like way further than it already was. You're just kind of like, hey, I'm doing this defensive stuff and then now I do a thing. So it it has less of a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. But I think cards like Wandering Monster uh, turned out to be like, you, you could actually play Secrets and Minions kind of at the same time. Yeah. And, uh, and the follow-up to Spellstone was actually so powerful. There's a lot of damage from hand in Hunter, obviously. So you kind of only need to do, you know, 12 to 14 chip damage in a game before you're like, okay, I've done, I've, I've dug in about 12 damage with my minions. That's really all I needed this game because the rest of my damage can just come from hand. Mm -hmm. And when it became like so difficult to prevent hunters from doing that like 12 chip damage, uh, it, it kind of lead to situations where you end the game and you're like, well, there's, there's nothing I could have done there. Uh, so I, I think when you make like the huge power cards, the huge power swing cards come out a little bit later in the game where your players have a, a little bit easier time dealing with that. I think especially in standard where the, the tools can be kind of limited sometimes in a lot of classes. Yeah. Uh, that having Spellstone B6 was not really going to change Secret Hunter in terms of like the deck that they would build. Like you still put Spellstone in that deck and it's still a very powerful deck. Uh, I think just some of the feels of there's nothing I could have done. Um, 
we're going to be a lot less. You know, more classes have more opportunity to do things like later and later in the game, especially yeah. when it comes to like AOE tools. Yeah, for sure. Or even just like putting another minion on the board or, you know, just preparing for having to deal with those yeah. traps or whatnot. Um, totally. Okay, great. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll kind of move on. We definitely have some more questions outside of the nerfs. Sure. I think that come up. Um, actually, Regis, did you want to ask about the... Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, the, so four of the nerfs this time around were to classic or basic cards. And in the past, we've seen similar things like Wild Growth, Hex. And although, you know, individually, some of these nerfs seem like they made sense to address the meta or long-term problems. And as you mentioned previously, trying to keep the game fresh by adjusting these classic and basic cards that are powerful have been around forever. I certainly see some logic there, but I've heard some concerns among my audience in particular that this has a negative impact on both new and budget players because you're taking away powerful free cards, particularly with a basic set with things like Flametongue Totem, um, Wild Growth, where suddenly they don't have access to these potentially really powerful ways to start the game and start moving in their Hearthstone journey. So are there any thoughts or concerns? Is that something that comes up in the discussions for how we make sure people can still enter the game in a healthy way and still grow into Hearthstone at a reasonable pace? Absolutely. Uh, so it it's smart, I think, for everyone that when you come into Hearthstone, it's there's not like an insurmountable wall that you have to get past in order to like build a deck that you you know you think is fun, you think is powerful, that you think that you know some other people are playing that you've watched. Uh, at least one strategy that you can go to, right? So I mean, it's not it's not beneficial for us to to make that wall higher for you because it just means that you probably aren't going to end up playing Hearthstone. Uh, so so that's the first part of it. And when we I think you're absolutely right. When we change basic and classic cards, especially basic cards, because they're the ones that you just, they're the core set that you come in and you just get right away. Uh, when, when those cards become worse, then, you know, they go in less decks, which means that you're using more expansion cards, which is kind of part of the goal that we have when a new expansion comes out, that you're, you're playing some of, them, some of those cards and you're building some of those decks and you have more options, uh, but doesn't the, the, at least the dust or monetary cost of that deck go up? I think the answer is yeah. Um, it's really important to us, I think, to address those those problems in a in a different way than just creating extremely powerful basic cards that go in every deck forever. Because while that is one solution that you can have, it's like, well, wouldn't decks be a lot cheaper if you just had these basic and classic cards that were extremely powerful that just win in all these decks? So you only had to have you know eight to twelve cards from new expansions, or maybe none at all, right? Uh, <laughs> that that would be a solution, right? But the I think for the, the health of the people, like the really engaged audience, the players that want to see something new from expansion to expansion, that's that's pretty negative. So now that we have addressed both of those things, I think how do we go about uh, making it so you're using new expansion cards and things still feel fresh and new, but also uh, it's it's not totally insurmountable to be able to build a deck when you first start Hearthstone. I think that doing events like the Lunar Festival that we're doing, doing events like the Fire Festival that we've done, uh, the legendary quest stuff that we do when we have a new expansion, you say like, hey, win you know, five or 10 games, get a bunch of packs. Right. Uh, some of the bundles that we've done, uh, the new player experience where you're getting a bunch of packs for going through this experience, like getting, getting cards into players' hands uh, and having them open those packs and be able to see the stuff that they got and be able to use decks or be able to use cards in that way. It's just a lot more interesting than just having these forever cards. So it, it's totally on us to keep doing more of these events and something we've been talking a lot about internally uh, and something that we've just like brainstorming and working on is just 
what do we just do with our reward system in general? Talking about things like end of season rewards and arena rewards and uh, how there's not really a, you know, when you when you log in, you have quests, but there's there's not really a lot after that. There's not something after you've completed your quest for the day, there's not really something that you can go to that's like, well, now that I've done my quests, like I'm not really progressing anymore towards anything, which we think is something that we definitely like to do. It's more of a long-term project of ours where we're just looking at our reward system and we want to be able for you to be building up to something with every game that you're playing. Uh, I, don't, I don't have anything in particular to announce in that front right now, but it's something that we, we, we just want. We want a reward system that rewards you for playing Hearthstone, right? Yeah. And whether that's completing quests awesome. or playing games or getting experience or, or something along those lines where we can, we can reward you for playing and you can, you, we put packs in your hands, we put new stuff in your hands uh, just for playing the game so you, can, so you can build these decks. I think in the short term, doing lots of events, uh, we've done stuff like increase the gold on quests, where you no longer yeah. open duplicate legendaries. And these are, all, these are all towards the goal of, well, how can, we, how can we make it easier to get into Hearthstone? So I think when we change basic and classic cards, that's definitely uh, some, some amount of detriment to that. But I don't think that's just not the right way to uh, get new players into the game, I think. Just give them, find ways to give them new stuff that's not having these forever cards. Yeah, I like that. That sounds great. It sounds like you guys are really mindful of maintaining that balance between the current engaged community and the new folks. That's reassuring. So. Right, yeah, it's it's hard. Sometimes you get a there, there's a disconnect there, right? Because it's not like when we change a a basic card, we don't also say it's like, hey, because we did this, where you now get this. It's a little bit invisible because sometimes when we're doing these events and all kinds of things where we're we're giving away lots of stuff, uh, it, it's just disconnected from the nurse themselves. Yeah, um, which is kind of a hard thing to communicate, but it's definitely in the forefront of our minds. Like we we want players to come in and play Hearthstone and be able to build stuff that is really fun for them. Uh, it is in no way beneficial to anybody, players or us, uh, to have that be a very difficult thing to do. Right, right. Okay, well, let's talk about Baku and Gen, given sure. that's been a huge uh, discussion, and particularly because you know if you go and you look at the current meta and you look at the top top decks, about half of them. You know, involved either Baku or, or again, you know, odd and even decks. And, you know, coming into the reset, you know, and, and a lot of the, the powerful cards that have been, you know, in the, the meta for a year, year and a half now are going to be disappearing. You know, I, I can kind of see this world where Baku and Gen are going to be very, very strong kind of moving forward. So, Quite powerful, uh, yeah. Yeah, I wanted, wanted to ask you, um, is that a concern for you guys? Just the power level of Baku and Gen? just the you know the the archetypes that that, that those those have been uh, generating and uh, also um uh is is it do you feel like it's um kind of design restricting just because like every time you make a card now you have to think about baku and gen i feel like that that's like the nat that would be a natural tendency or that'd be like on the checklist of things to to, to really ask you know, everybody about like, okay, what do you guys think? Like, is this going to make something broken again or Baku every time you come up with a card? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly design destructive. Uh, I think anytime you have something that's very, very powerful, uh, you don't want to give it a bunch of new stuff in the new expansion, which I think is, uh, it's kind of a flaw in, in the way you make cards in some ways, because I mean, you have, you have these very powerful strategies and, uh, I think the most obvious thing to do from expansion to expansion is to say, uh, okay, here's something that's really powerful. Let's make sure we don't give it more stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so essentially, you're, you're admitting that, hey, here's something really powerful, and we don't want it to get anything new, which results in kind of the obvious thing of, 
people are playing a deck that doesn't have any new stuff in it. So right. things start to feel like a, a little bit stale in some ways. Uh, a lot of different games have solved this in a lot of ways. Uh, one of the ways that a lot of people call out is like, what if you just made everything more powerful, right? Like every single expansion. <laughs> Uh, that comes with its own suite of problems. Uh, but we'd like to, in general, like give some of these best decks at least like a piece or two and then bring everything up to be able to compete with them. It's just really challenging to do that. Odd and even decks are, are interesting in that they're not actually that difficult to, to design around because, you know, if there's... Paladin, maybe it was a little bit more difficult just because the odd and even deck was both of them are very good but in something like rogue i mean if if odd tempo rogue is a problem it's not really that hard to to make cards that don't go in odd rogue you know what i mean so you, yeah you just, you just make them even uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but okay. yeah i think yeah. i think in general I, we have talked a lot about genin baku as something that we look towards the next year and if the next year is going to be super super fun and there's going to be lots of new stuff and cool strategies and you're going to log into the game and things are going to feel different do genin baku pose pose some issues for us? I think the answer to that question is, is definitely yes. Um, yeah. we, we've been talking a lot about like, well, how do you, how do you solve that if it's a problem, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, there's, there's a number of ways that you could change those cards in terms of like making them worse, like a, a nerf patch. But I, I don't think we've landed on anything exactly yet that uh, kept the spirit of those cards in, in such a way where that playing the decks feels similar, but they're just played at a lower power level. I think that even when you're talking about like the individual archetypes, I think there's just so many. I mean, like, sure, Odd Warrior could gain three armor, or uh, instead of summoning two one ones for Odd Pad, and we could summon one two two minion, and it maybe it wouldn't be a Silver Hand recruit; it'd be something else. So it wouldn't synergize with those things. Or uh, I think stuff like Even Shaman is a lot harder. It's like, well, what do you do with with one mana totem? Like, I don't. Yeah. Uh, there, there's not there's not a lot of great solutions for that. So I think even if you try to address all of the individual ones. Uh, you're still going to run into some outliers like like even Shaman. Yep. Uh, in terms of the gameplay of those decks, they're actually, I think, kind of interesting. I think a lot of people talk about, like, well, a lot of the power level is based on this very consistent thing, but that was that was by design. I think when we revealed those cards, that was one of the things that we looked at as as a benefit, right? So you're, you're not reliant on on drawing these cards, and, like, the, the spike in power level of your game isn't so... Uh, determined on like, did I draw this card or did I not? Which I think can feel pretty negative to a lot of people. It, it was just something that you go in knowing was going to be a benefit to your deck, and you build your deck in such a way that takes advantage of having that power, which I, which I think is pretty positive. But now we're just left in the position where we have, you know, four, five, six, seven of these decks that are very powerful. Some of which don't have uh, a really good knob to turn up and down. Uh, so we've been exploring a lot of different potential solutions. I think it's, it's something that we'll, we're going to want to solve by the time the expansion comes around. Uh, it's something that we're, we're not really interested in solving by, you know, changing basic and classic cards. Like we talked a little bit about earlier, I think a lot of the connection players have been making is it's like, oh, we're they're changing these other cards because of Baku and Gen. Um, I think that again, that would be be kind of a short sighted. Right. That's. It's kind of like yeah, solving it from the wrong right. end, right? That's that's right. What I think. Yeah, I, I think it's. Yeah. I could definitely understand how you can come from that angle, but that's just not that's not our goal. If we if there's a problem there and it's something that we really want to address, like those will be the cards that we'll address. And I think right now it's something that we're we think is going to be a little bit detrimental to uh, the game feeling fresh and interesting come the first set of this year. So 
I don't have anything to announce right now, but we're going through a bunch of different solutions okay. and uh, it's something that we view as you know, something we're going to have to potentially solve. Yeah. So, so Dean, when, when Bakken and Gin were originally being designed and envisioned, was there any consideration given to making them features of the last expansion of a rotation year as opposed to the first expansion so they didn't have a full two years influencing the meta as opposed to, say, 16 months so you could cut down on how influential they'd be? Uh, well, yes and no. I, I think that the way ideas come up, uh, I think what, when we made a Draconid operative, for example, uh, we knew that that was going to be, that was one of the last opportunities for Dragon Priest to have this hurrah, right? You know, if there's a miss on power level there, uh, it would be somewhat short term, right? It's like, you know, Dragon Priest would be really powerful, but we wouldn't be in a position where it was so powerful that we wouldn't be able to, you know, give it any more things in the future because you know a lot of some some different tools were rotating uh directly afterward when angoro hit i think when we were talking about designs for for witchwood it was just something that we we're really excited about and we wanted to do uh, i thought that you know going in when you're trying to understand what the power level is of all these individual decks it's just it's a, it was a difficult thing to to really understand and i the ones that personally we thought were the most powerful internally at least i did you know all the Every every designer has not exactly the same opinion, right? But to me, the ones that I thought were the power outliers when we first created them were uh, Odd Warrior and Odd Paladin. And mm -hmm. I thought that we we had a decent plan going in where we were kind of hoping that like, hey, you know, if this became something that was very powerful, we would tone back a lot of like the odd tempo cards for for paladin uh and for warrior if it was something that became really powerful we could we could make the hero power three mana or sorry we could make the hero power three armor uh and there would be a little bit of pain because it wouldn't be the same as justicar and be a little bit inconsistent but there, there were potential solutions there i think where the issue came in was that there was just seven or eight of them that were extremely powerful right and it became very difficult to design around so I think if there was any if there was any oversight, it was just the the sheer amount of decks that were extremely powerful. And I think that when you're talking about something like you know even shaman and even paladin uh, decks that we didn't really consider that were going to be like super super top tier, uh, I think if if I think if we would have had the foresight to understand that like those decks were just going to be very very powerful without having a ton of interesting tools, just because having a one mana shaman hero power and a one mana paladin hero power was just so powerful that the decks you or the cards you put around it, uh, they can be almost anything, and those decks are very powerful. I think if we would have had the foresight to really understand that and the bind that we would be put in by you know not really being able to change those things without having to do something that was pretty ine inelegant. Maybe it's something that we would have rethought at the time. Uh, I definitely but... didn't have that foresight, by the way. I, I was <laughs> yeah. completely wrong on both cards. I thought they'd be underwhelming, so I get it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, the, the Baki stuff is really powerful. It's it's funny because the the even stuff it snuck by us a little bit. Like we there's I think there was a deck recipe that was a was an even paladin when we first released. I mean, it wasn't you know totally untested. It was just a matter of you know did we think that even paladin was going to be like the deck come you know the next expansion or whatever i, I think the answer to that question was, was probably was probably no uh and it, it just became difficult when there's so many of these decks and there wasn't really an elegant way to solve all of them individually that it just became a power level thing mostly i think if they all would have been slightly less powerful then you know we wouldn't be in, in this 
position, right? There would be there would be some that were kind of powerful and we wouldn't make new cards for them. And there'd be a lot of them that were either low power or medium power, and we'd be able to give them, you know, odd and even cards. And it's and yeah. honestly, it's not even just about odd and even cards. You, you can you can actually make good paladin cards with both odd and even deck being very powerful. They just have mm -hmm. to be really late game control cards because yeah. both of those decks are kind of tempo aggressive oriented. Uh, so it's just a matter of the sheer amount of decks and the the power level of of all of them was just a little bit higher than I think that we expected. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but speaking of Paladin, you know, like I think one thing that's really really powerful right now are, are, have been OTK decks. You know, with the control Paladins and and their um, winning conditions. Uh, yeah. Whether you have the Holy Wrath one or you have you know just the um, you know more the the Four Horsemen type of finishes. And I think this kind of applies because uh, right now in Hearthstone, I feel like we have a lot of different OTK decks. You know, and yeah. and I think OTK decks have been you know historically, it's like they've been viewed kind of negatively from the community, but like the pro scene like them you know like freeze mage you know it was always like a very high skill yeah. count you know like there's always a high skill ceiling to these type of decks yeah that's one of the yeah. that's one of the things that yeah. separates i think like the, in terms of opinion anyway the, the thing that separates like the more casual to medium guardians from the hardcore audience is that yeah. like, the hardcore audience they really like to do like really really crazy powerful things and but uh right yes under, understand like the sometimes you draw the stuff and sometimes you don't whereas i think the low and medium uh, medium core players just tend to they see the thing happen and they're like, oh, well, that's just always going to happen to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. So like in terms of OTK, like uh, that's you know in, in listing out a bunch, the, some people have been talking about obviously clone priest as well, and uh, Malagos Rogue and Hakar, just um, just Druid and 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 uh, Mechathun decks. So um, you know, I, I think that I'm I'm curious as to like what the opinion is of OTK decks right now. You know, given that. Um, you know, the general community, you know, I think the larger you know, portion of the community feel like, you know, not very satisfied, right? It feels like, I think the term is single player game sometimes, right? Like they just don't feel yeah. like they can do anything about it unless they play a super aggro deck. So it has that polarization element to it. Um, so do you, do you feel any issues with it? Like, I mean, you guys have, have, have I mean, I feel like have made tools to, to really make it possible, you know, more possible to do some OTK win conditions. And so has Anything changed from that regard? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think right now we do have, you know, there's too many decks out there that are basically just destroying from hand. Uh, and there's there's some decks that I think are more positive than others. I think there's a, there's a preset going around right now where uh, so, sometimes you resurrect a bunch of stuff and you mind blast your opponent for like 40 to 80 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, the, that's one of the negative ones. But the, the way that deck normally wins, I think, uh, isn't necessarily negative and it's like you... You play Anduin, you mind blast a couple of times, your opponent's kind of seeing what's going on, they're chipping you down, and then you get to 16 or 18, and then and then you die, right? Just because you, you didn't put enough pressure onto them, you kind of knew what was coming, uh, and and then they did 16 to 18 damage to you in, in, in a turn. Uh, which, which is a lot, but I think the, the positive aspect of that is there, that was the strategy going in, you kind of saw it over time, and then you knew kind of what was coming, and then you got some opportunity to play around it, and but you weren't able to, so you, so you lost. It doesn't always feel the greatest, but I think it's a lot better than you know another Priest OTK deck, which I think is kind of the one of the worst versions of it when is uh, the Mechathene Priest, mm -hmm. where they feel like they're kind of not really doing a lot. You, you're kind of lulled into, oh, I'm winning this game. Uh, I think that Mechathene Warlock is kind of like this too, where they, they do a bunch of things, you feel like you're ahead, you feel like you're you're winning, and then unless you know exactly what's going on, at least in Warlock, they play stuff like Galvanizer, which gives you an idea. Uh, but with, with Priest, 
they just play their last like four or five cards and then and then you lose the game right and then all of a sudden you realize what was happening you lost and just the way our game ends you're just kind of left there questioning it's like well what even just happened like i put in all this time and effort into this game which was maybe 20 minutes long and then they played some cards that i haven't seen before and then i lost like what happened there and i think that's that's one of the negative ones that i think that we'd like to avoid in the, in the future i think mechathune in particular uh, added that win condition for a bunch of different classes so in addition to any otk style stuff that we have uh just floating around in hearthstone at any given time i think mechathune added a, a lot on top of that which, mm -hmm. which maybe just wasn't you know the right timing like, otk decks aren't necessarily like all negative i think the the circumstance when the priest mechathune deck where you're kind of you're you're doing something that your opponent doesn't really understand and all of a sudden they lose 20 minutes later i think it's not really an experience that we'd like to see uh, a huge amount of play because i think it's like it's one of the most negative experiences that you can have in hearthstone uh but not not all of those decks are negative right like if they're if they're extremely low population like there, there's a there's a portion of the audience out there that really enjoys doing that kind of stuff there there's some there's a priest otk player out there right now listening to this podcast it's really sad he's like but <laughs> My make a deck. I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there, there's some players out there that enjoy that, but I think when we can do it where the other player kind of understands what's going on and they're building up towards this thing, uh, that, that's a lot better. I think when something like Jade Druid's not really an OTK deck at all, right? It's they build giant minions, but the the way they win is pretty similar. Like they're they're doing a thing all game and then all of a sudden they you know make 15, 15, 16, 16 guys, and you can't deal with them. And the yeah. end result is the same. They they did something that was kind of not that great for most of the game, but then they built up to this really powerful moments. And I think when that's being communicated over the course of the game, that it's actually not that negative. I think a lot of players see that and they're like, wow, I really want to do that. Uh, yeah. Whereas Priest Mechathun is it's kind of like a hodgepodge of cards, and then they win with four cards, yeah. uh, which isn't really positive. But I think the OTK decks... Uh, they, they kind of start from when the, the go, going back to stuff like Rexar, where when you have when you have so many cards that are these infinite resource generators, where it's like, okay, well, I'll put twenty nine cards in my deck, and then I'll have this one, which makes it so I don't have to worry about running out of cards or running out of resources to generate. I can just have twenty nine removal cards. When you have a bunch of stuff like that, like with Jaina and Rexar, uh, it leads the win conditions to be more skewed towards OTK decks right. because. Like, well, if you can't fight resource wars, if you just can't fight minion to minion and spell to spell, it's like, well, I'm never going to be able to outgenerate resources. So the only way that I can win is to either be playing a Death Rattle Malagos deck where I'm dealing, you know, 50 damage from hand or a Mechathune deck or, or a Velen Mind Blast deck. Like, these win conditions become the way to play because you can't compete in terms of a resource war. Yeah. So I think it actually stems from an earlier issue where you know resource generation matters a lot less so i think when when that stuff changes and when you know the idea of landing ysera can win you a game uh i think that a lot of the a lot of the decks that are going to feel the need to deal 30 damage from hand it won't it just won't really be a necessary thing for you to do to win games so you know there are cards that are supposed to be at least there's a chance to ruin OTK, right? Like you've got the, you know, in the past, Dirty Rat, you've got No Paratu. You know, you, we, there are definitely cards that are out there that do those things. Maybe a little bit yep. more weighted for Warlock. But um, 
are these cards, do you, you feel like these cards aren't being used enough, you know, in terms of maybe trying to be a solution to OTK? And, I mean, because without these type of uh, tech cards to help against something like OTK, then it does turn into just, you know, polarization thing. You know, you're, 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 yeah. pre- you're creating something to beat these type of infinite resource decks, and now to beat this deck, it has to be fast, you know, so. Um, totally. Yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think there are enough cards right now? Or do you think uh, that you guys could maybe add some more, you know, or, or maybe certainly lighter? I mean, there's stuff like Geist, but it doesn't, Geist doesn't, yeah. it's pretty narrow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we really like Dirty Rat. So, I mean, the answer is pretty short here. We really like Dirty Rat, and I would expect, you know, cards like that and cards that, okay. you know, are able to interact specifically with decks that need one or two particular cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we like that, and we're going to continue doing it in the future. I think in the in probably in the short term future. Okay, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that sounds good. All right. If you, we, if you like if you like dirty rat style cards, you're going to be okay. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> All right, we got time for maybe one more right. question, Regis. Like, you want you want to pick one? Um, yeah. Let's see. Well, why don't you? I'm <laughs> I'm scrambling here. Why don't you take one, Jam Man? You okay. finish this off here. Okay. Okay. Well. um... Let's see. Uh, I think that well, we we've, we've got a combination of we've actually got one from the the uh, just somebody that tweeted it, which I thought was pretty funny. Oh no, so, these are always the dangerous yeah, ones. No, no, no. But <laughs> this this one's not too dangerous. Not I feel dangerous. bad now. Yeah. <laughs> no worries, no worries, no worries. So um, there's there's a question uh, about Chalky. Given that, oh you know, yeah, he, I, would, I would love to talk about Keaton. Keaton's great. <laughs> yeah, so we never see Keaton in any of these card reviews. You know, like it's basically someone yeah. was asking, when are we going to see Keaton? You know, get a chance to to uh, debut some aggressive cards since he's obviously famous for for uh, aggressive. Yeah, cards, he is yeah. famous for aggressive cards, isn't he? he? Oh yeah, well, I I'd get, love to get him on. I think he's got a there's a there's some like some media training stuff that you do at, yeah. at Blizzard just so you you know you're you're comfortable with like messaging and. and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I think when one of the things about being a spokesperson for a game is is I can sit here and I could talk about my own opinions, but it's not necessarily exactly about that. It's like the team has to get all on the same page. You have to be comfortable with, you know, what what is Hearthstone about? And because it's not just about you, it's about all your coworkers and trying to come dis- to decisions together yeah. that are, you know, beneficial for the game for, you know, like I said, the next 10, 15, 20 years. So yeah. it's about getting all on the same page and really digesting all of that and you know mixing a lot of the things like in keaton's case where he has like a ton of really awesome ideas and you know the way he thinks about hearthstone is amazing uh just like it takes a little bit of time to really digest like what is the what is core to hearthstone and what is the history of everything but but i would hope eventually you guys you guys will be seeing <laughs> okay keaton on value town someday all right that, that'll, that'll definitely be good um okay so last real question because everybody's been asking this especially in chat right now so uh, talk to talk about barnes like, is there going to oh, be something okay. to be done about Barnes in the near future? Because it's it's still it was powerful and standard. Obviously, it's been yeah. been rotated out, but it's still crazy powerful for, for Wild in, in Wild. Man, right now. Yeah. do I spend so much of my time talking about? Barnes. <laughs> I know, I'm just not, do something to that card. I mean, just be done oh, with it, you know? So. <laughs> oh, people are pretty passionate about Barnes. So, uh, something that I it's actually really curious to me sometimes is like when you uh, J Druid, Brogaro, Quest Mage. Um, what are some other examples? Uh, th- those are three great examples, yeah. and mm-hmm. big priests, uh, yep. decks that use barns. Uh, generally, when a deck is very power, when a deck is really popular, uh, it correlates pretty like pretty much the same to how 
powerful that deck is, right? Because something is really po popular, then it's probably really powerful because mm -hmm. people like playing decks that win. So that's not it's not news to anybody, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but those those decks in particular are really good examples of decks that aren't actually very powerful, but people play them a lot. So what? Using like whatever logic you can, like what what is the reason for that, right? And mm -hmm. I, I think the answer, especially in the case of like you know Burglar Road Quest Mage and and basically all these decks, is that I think people just really like playing them. They're they're really fun for people to play. Uh, and we tend to be a little bit more protective of that in wilds. Like we've we've changed cards in the past, like Nagasi, which that you know that was yeah. that was a strategy that you could play. But I think that it was there when turns like that happen, like Barnes has some really big turns, but I think that it wasn't really like as, it's not generally as consistent or I think as powerful as some of the Naga Sea Witch turns. And also there's just like more, there's more ways to deal with it. Classes have more ways to deal with what Barnes does than they do with having like, you know, seven, eight, eights on board on turn five or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so with Barnes in particular, it's, I don't think it's a card that we would make in standard going forward. I think that when you're That's doing good. something that crazy powerful, <laughs> yeah. like on turn four, it can be like, there's just not that many ways to deal with it. Obviously, Wild has a lot more ways to deal with it. Yeah. But when that deck is so popular and it's not really that powerful, it's not. It's certainly not a balance concern, right? So I mean, we can just throw that out. It's, it's a feels concern. And there's two sides of that. You know, very clearly, like, there's a lot of people playing this deck and losing a lot of games with it, <laughs> which to me means like they're just having a really, really fun time playing this deck. And I, when we when we just made a bunch of changes to to the basic cards, uh, you know, just this last nerf patch, I think that a lot of the changes that we made don't hurt you in a way that you can't do the thing that you really enjoy doing. Right. I think the most compelling argument to change a card like Barnes is that I think when you remove Barnes, especially from something like Big Crease, you can still you can still do the resurrection vibe kind of stuff. So like maybe your maybe your total strategy doesn't go away, but Barnes is like a really core piece of I think why people play that deck. And they're playing it because it's you know it's fun for them. And I, I I definitely sympathize with, you know, playing against Barnes isn't exactly like the, the most fun experience you can have in Hearthstone, but there's there's a lot of people that are enjoying that kind of thing and playing that deck and playing it at a pretty high rate. So we tend yeah. to be really protective of especially archetypes when there, there's a strategy that people really like in Wild. We'd like them, because some of the identity of Wild is you're at least able to play the, the deck that you want to play. Yeah, there, that deck might be a little bit less powerful because of a card change that we make, but you can still play that deck and it's still at a relatively comparable power level. Uh, all that said, Barnes and I think Gen and Baku are the, the three cards that we talk about. At the top of the list, basically. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, do we, what do we do about these cards, right? Yeah. Do we do nothing and maybe that's the, the best reason or the results and the best outcome? I think when people talk about you know, why do we make a change? We don't make a change because, oh, there's a problem right now. Let's let's fix this thing and uh, or change this thing. And now this problem card won't be a problem card anymore. Uh, we have to think about it from like the future first. It's like, if we make a change, what is that change? And what does the future look like afterwards? Uh, is the future better than what it would have been if we wouldn't have made a change in the first place, right? Yeah. Uh, so when we talk about Barnes and if we were to remove that, would people still be able to play the archetype that they really like? And what would we, like, how much gain is there in terms of just, like, the most people having the most fun? 
so when we're talking about Gen and Baku and Barnes, those are the three cards that I think that we we most seriously talk about when it's like, okay, do we make a change to these cards? So I don't have anything to report right now. Okay. But we truly do. Like those are the three cards that we're talking the most about. Yeah, that's good because that's the three cards that I think every the whole community is talking the most sure, about as sure. well. How, but so Barnes mostly for the wild players, players yeah, out there. Ken and Baku has been a hot topic lately. Yeah, totally. Uh, but yeah, you know, I know Dean, you got to get going, so you know, you actually have you know to, uh, either to a dog the, to go to or puppy training. <laughs> puppy yeah, training. So definitely, yeah, definitely appreciate you. You know, obviously coming to to Blizzard campus just to do this interview with us. So uh, yeah, no, no worries. Yeah, Becca, I'm. But for those of you at home, I'm 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 on vacation taking taking care of my puppy right now. So I came in to do Value Town just because you know, we love you for that, man. Us, so. yeah, yeah, thank you much. Sure. Yeah, uh, any shout-outs you want to do? Any 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 last words before you take off? Shout out to the Hearthstone team. Shout out to Chris and Carlos who have been sitting next to me yeah. this whole time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, shout out to, to all the players as well. We just want to we want to do things to make the game more fun. That's the goal. So I mean, if you can give us feedback on how to do that, all feedback is appreciated. Uh, I, I try to respond to as much things as I can on places like Twitter and Reddit. But anything that you want to see, please come out and say so. Uh, I think in terms of feedback, the thing that's most useful to us is when you talk about what are the things that you want. I think when people tend to get in the habit of of trying to understand what the whole player base wants, when what's really important, the thing that I think is most true is if you just come to us and you say, hey, I don't like this thing for this reason, or hey, I really like this thing for this reason. And I think when we can collectively look at all that stuff, it helps us make the best decisions. So the Hearthstone community yeah. is really great at giving uh, tons of feedback. So, <laughs> so that's please, for sure. Just continue doing that, and we'll uh, we'll continue digesting it. Yeah, that's awesome. That that's awesome that you you take it you know so well. <laughs> Definitely, uh, um, people are just passionate about Hearthstone. I think yeah, that sure. uh, it would be much worse, you know, if people if no one is talking about Hearthstone, that would be terrible, right? Yeah, so that's I think definitely the worst. Are passionate about a bunch of different stuff, so we're happy to listen to all of it. Awesome. Uh, Regis, you know, thanks for being my partner in crime in this. I really appreciate it. And uh, Thank you, sir, for having me. Yeah. Any shout-outs you want to do before we take off? Uh, no, just thank you. Thanks to the fans. Check me out on Twitch and YouTube. All that fun stuff. So Yeah, check out Regis. He's cool. Yeah, thanks. Definitely, <laughs> definitely cool. <laughs> Uh, and I'll close things out. You know, thanks, and obviously the two of you guys for doing the show. All the people that have tuned in, you can uh, check out this vod on YouTube.com/slash/ChamMV if you haven't yet. And we, I kind of switched the channel, so you actually had to go and resubscribe to that channel because I kind of separated the whole streamer showdown ChamMV recently. So podcasts are on that. Uh, so make sure you go there. Want to give a shout out to my the patrons, of course, that support the show. Real quick, legendary producer Mike T, Raydan, Bryce L, Vincent G. Uh, Dan S, Devin Y, Scott L, Grant A, Nick P, Raysa, Michael S, Junipe, Mario, Mike T, Richard M, and a random guy ASMR, just to name a few. Uh, and you can find us all on, or you can find the show on all the audio channels. So iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud.com, slash just search for Value Town and you'll, you'll find us. But that's going to be it, guys, for Value Town this week. So we'll be back next week with some uh, more stuff to talk about and some other great guests. But until then, we'll see you next time. 